Welcome to Fence Post Politics, the only source for unfiltered, nonsensical, fakish news that you never asked for. With your hosts, Matt McKinley and Aaron Ellis. Got to get my uh, microphone up here. Uh, how's it going? Happy Wednesday. Um, hope the week's been treating you good. <clears throat> Boy, the weather has been absolutely gorgeous out here. Just uh, like nice, cool. I mean, still freezing pretty hard in the in the morning. Um, but then I think it was, uh, six, between 65 and 70 this afternoon. And, uh, yeah, like I, I was down to just, uh, button up and, and a vest. No, no flannel, no, no pullover, no nothing, nothing like that. And, uh, at least this afternoon. And it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I, uh, I was, uh, unloading some cattle, uh, on foot and, I was kind of, kind of moving around a little bit and got got to working up a little bit of sweat. I was like, "Hey, it's kind of hot." You know, it's not really all that hot, but uh, compared to what it has been, uh, yeah, it felt good to sweat because because uh, you're a little hot. So, anyhow, I hope uh, hope you guys are kind of experiencing the same stuff. A uh, spring uh, sure feels like it's upon us, don't it? Um, been hearing reports from from folks saying that they're uh they're getting close to to finished with uh with Cavan, at least with heifers and uh of course there's people like just kind of getting ready to start Cavan, uh you know up when, when you get further up north so anyway it's all uh it's all coming together all is planned uh spring will be here uh pretty damn quick um Aaron is out today uh, him and his uh, his lovely wife had uh, some um, financial planning or something to do. I, I don't I forget. He uh, they had they had something to do today and uh, or this evening and so flying solo and um, boy, there's a a lot to talk about um, and eh, we'll just jump right into it. So. Uh, we are in the middle of a uh, international conflict, as it as it will, as it turns out. Um, we've got once again, we got Russia and Ukraine. Uh, it has dominated the headlines, uh, um, and, and not not that it shouldn't. It's a, it's a pretty big deal, um. And and it's is really really starting to get ugly over there. It sounds like, <coughs> but as you know, um, as I've said for quite a while, I'm um, I'm taking a, a a more trying to take a more nuanced view. Um, and, and it's not that I I am pro Vladimir Putin, pro Russia, uh, or uh, anti Ukraine. Um, I just don't trust any of these governments involved. Uh, you have Russia, who is run by uh, this fellow here, Vladimir Putin, and um, he is a straight-up gangster. Um, and I say that with uh, 
like contempt and respect all at the same time. The dude is absolutely ruthless. He is a, a very smart guy. Um, but we're also seeing that maybe he's not quite the supervillain uh, that we think he is. Not that he's not capable of being incredibly brutal and ruthless like that. That's without question he is. Um, but maybe not quite as uh, uh, super smart as we thought. Or may- I, It's not that he's not smart, but maybe he didn't read the situation quite so well. Or maybe... Um, the intelligence uh, didn't uh, didn't really treat him that well, uh, a la the Iraq invasion with uh, WMDs and stuff. So, anyhow, let's get into a little bit of this. I I tell you what, I have um, I had a hell of a time uh, trying to find the other side of uh, story and. Um, yeah, so this uh, this one and kind of uh, I wanted to highlight this story in particular, and then highlight from the complete opposing view. But Zoom uh, is not treating me very well uh, over here. But anyway, Scottish government urged to act on. Well, there we go on pro-Putin propaganda in universities, and uh, I don't know if you can read that, but. Anyhow, well, let's keep going with it. Um, Scottish government has been urged to do more to stop university lecturers sharing pro-Putin pop- propaganda. All from the Scottish conservatives came as ministers uh, south of the border promised to crack down on academics uh, accused of acting as useful idiots for Putin's atrocities in Ukraine. Now, uh, keep in mind that um, the, the Brits are not real well known for um freedom of speech they are i i don't know maybe not quick but they're uh, they're not afraid to go ahead and clamp down on uh on certain types of dissent and uh and just speech in general uh whenever they feel the need so keep that in mind um Speaking of the Commons Monday, uh, UK government education secretary uh, Nadhim Zahawai. Zahawi. Um, I'm guessing that is a Middle Eastern fella of uh, or Middle Eastern descent. I told MPs that uh, in MPs are members of parliament. Uh, told MPs that institutions where staff had been sharing pro Kremlin views were being contacted. One of those accused of disseminating pro-Putinist propaganda is Professor Tim Hayward at the University of Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Uh, he retweeted a Russian representative to the United Nations uh, describing the attack on the attack on uh, Mariupol, Mariupol's uh, maternity hospital, as fake news, uh, with the comment: "As long as we're still able to hear two sides of the story, we should continue striving to do so." Professor Hayward, who specializes in environmental political theory, uh, said he was tweeting in a personal capacity and that he did not retweet, but quote tweeted. Um, And so uh, (coughs) that's that is a pretty important distinction. So um, uh, if, if you're not on Twitter, 
Um, and this is one of the like one of the reasons I like Twitter, like the the how easy is easy it is to share stuff. So if you if you like something, you you can click retweet, and all that does is just share that exact tweet on your on your feed. And uh, but if you quote tweet, then it shows that tweet. But you can also comment on it, and uh, so it's like a whole new tweet. So just like it it embeds that the original tweet uh, in a post of yours, and <laughs> so typically how how it works on Twitter, like Twitter etiquette, I guess, if you will. That is that is the lamest thing I've ever said on this podcast. Um, you know, the, the the podcast for the working cowboy and uh, you know, fence post politics because we're all rustic and tough and uh and here we are. I I'm I'm talking about Twitter etiquette. Um but hey, that's that's the world that we're living in. And I'm trying to bring you news as I see it. Uh, because I know that I, I have a little different worldview than a lot of people. And, uh, and also, you know, the whole, the whole autism thing. I I don't think I'm, you know, anyhow, I, I get on a, I get on a rabbit hole and I, and I keep digging and a lot of people don't, don't do that. Uh, so I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to, um, you know, I'm trying to, provide you know like i said the news as as i see it and uh and this is this is kind of where we're at so we got a professor who's uh who's posting on twitter twitter is a you know there it's not a huge uh percent of the population that that is on twitter i think they're like a couple hundred million uh users uh worldwide so that means i don't know Maybe it maybe a hundred million users in the U.S. I I don't I honestly don't know, but they're they're nowhere near as big as as say like Instagram or uh, or Facebook. Facebook in particular is like uh, I think they're over a billion users. I mean it's it's a huge huge massive platform. Um, but Twitter is a very influential platform because that's where a lot of your media types. Uh, congregate and uh, and they use it to break news and <clears throat> and it's i don't know it's it's just a it's a different type of uh platform than than Instagram or Facebook and uh and and it's but it's it's more uniquely towards like the news media uh is is centered there and and uh so Rather than than scamming or skimming the headlines and, and seeing what's going on, you can get a good good idea. But sometimes they're not up to date because you, you know people have to write those those news stories, so they they lag behind a little bit. But if you want to find news in real time, you go to Twitter and find what's trending, and you find you know the topic. So if the Ukraine is trending, you just click on that, and it's just like the top tweets, or and you can set it, or as the latest tweets, whatever. But you can see stuff come in real time, and it's a good way to follow a developing news story, or to just kind of gauge where, um, like the media landscape is going to be for the day. It's just it's a good it's a good tool. I I hate what they've become. I hate the the fact that. <coughs> You know the the Taliban, uh, you know, which is considered by the U.S. government as an active terror organization, 
ha- has an, an official Twitter account, but the, you know, at the time the sitting president of the United States was kicked off. I mean, that, that just something is fucked about that whole, whole situation. But that all being said, you know, it's still a really, really valuable uh, resource. And so anyhow, Twitter etiquette <laughs> kind of goes that if, if you simply retweet it, like you're, you're kind of in agree in agreement with it. Um, if you quote tweet it, it's not so much that you agree with it. That's why you, you can add your own caption. And, uh, and it's so you're, you're drawing attention to, to that particular, uh, you know, tweet for whatever reason it may be, but you can also explain why. And, uh, and so, I don't know, it, it's, a, it's just a, it's a good tool like that. And, uh, so when we go back to this, this professor where he said he didn't retweet it, but he quote tweeted and not, <laughs> they didn't put links to, to what he actually tweeted. Uh, so, uh, so I don't know what he said, uh, in response to that you know, to that tweet. So anyhow, but it was, it was basically, uh, a story from, from a Russian source that was saying that, uh, maternity ward that, that was supposedly bombed by Russian forces was not actually a, a maternity ward or it wasn't, not that it wasn't a maternity ward, but it wasn't uh, done by Russian forces. It was actually done, it was blown up by the, the Azov battalion or Az. I don't know if it was the official Azov battalion, but <laughs> Anyhow, this this neo-Nazi group uh, out of Ukraine that uh, that is helping to are trying to defend the city of uh, Mariupol, and um, so it wasn't bombed by by Russian forces, but rather it was blown up by neo-Nazis and like or <coughs> uh, these Ukrainian nationalists uh, to make the Russians look bad, and th- and. Um, what what did he? I guess what did he say? Maybe. Okay, here, yeah. So it said he he quoted with that. As long as we're still able to hear two sides of the story, we should continue striving to do so. And so, in that particular story, I mean, it is polar opposite of what is being reported, depending on on what side of the the conflict uh, you're on. So either Russian troops bombed a maternity ward or. Uh, Ukrainian nationalists uh, with neo-Nazi ties uh, purposely bombed a maternity ward to uh, to, draw, to to blame the the Russian troops. So that one it seems like a little a little tougher. I mean, usually there's there's uh, there's a lot of gray area in between. That one does seem like a little bit of a you know kind of a bipolar situation. Um, there, there, there might be like something where maybe there, the Ukrainian troops were sheltering in the hospital, and and then the Russian troops fired on it. Um, or uh, but the way it's being reported in the West is they they purposely fired on on you know a bunch of helpless pregnant women, and uh, not that I'm against that. Tell, tell you the truth, uh, pregnant women creep me the fuck out. Uh, they, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's an irrational, uh, not, not so much a, 
a fear, but it, it's a phobia for sure. Um, I had, I have two kids. Um, I, I stayed with my wife the whole time. She was pregnant both times. And, um, I got through it because I'm a survivor. Uh, but it was weird. Let me tell you, it, it's, uh, I love my wife very much. I loved my pregnant wife very much, but it was, uh, I, pregnant bellies give me the Hebrew jeebies. And, uh, anyhow, um, what's being reported on the West is, uh, Russian troops purposely bombed this this innocent maternity ward. Uh, was being reported on the Russian side of things is that it was a false flag operation by neo Nazis, and um, it, it seems to be like I don't know if to say it falls somewhere in the middle, but it probably falls somewhere in not either one of those, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. How hell is to put it? So, um, okay. So then, uh, during the common sessions, Robert Halton, the chair of the Westminster Education Select Committee, raised the comments from Hayward and two other academics and asked if the government would take action to stop universities acting as useful, idi- uh, acting as useful idiots for the Kremlin. Mr. Zawahawi said uh, UK ministers had already been in touch with the university. Uh, Quote, Putin and his cronies are a malign influence on anyone in this country buying their false narrative. I repeat, it is a false and dangerous narrative and we will crack down on it hard. End quote. Um, Scottish conservative shadow minister for higher and further education, Pam Gozal, said she hoped the Scottish government would follow suit. Uh, quote, it is shameful that a, presser, a professor at Edinburgh University believed it was acceptable to retweet these pro-Kremlin lies, end quote. Um, uh, another quote, uh, the bombing of this maternity hospital is beyond horrific and it beggars belief that this professor shared a post describing it as fake news. This sort of disinformation has no place in our higher education sector as the people of Ukraine continue to suffer from Russia's appalling actions. S&P ministers should send out the clearest possible message that sharing this sort of pro-Putin propaganda is completely unacceptable in our universities. Uh, Minister for Higher and Further Education Jamie Hepburn was critical of Hayward's tweet that said it was an internal matter for Edinburgh University. Uh, I said, any attempt to repeat the twisted rhetoric and disinformation of Russian authorities about their brutal and wholly unjustified actions in Ukraine is unacceptable. As autonomous bodies, universities are solely responsible for internal institution matters such as complaints made or disciplinary actions taken against staff and students. Uh, I will continue to encourage... Oh, you son of a bitch. Uh, well, I was going to finish reading that story, but I don't know what happened to my page there. Anyhow, um, moving on. Um, same story from Russia Today. A professor faces U- uh, government crackdown for questioning Ukraine narrative. 
a Scottish professor was slammed for sharing an article claiming the Mariupol theater bombing was staged. Uh, University of Edinburgh professor Tim Hayward is being hammered in the media for sharing an article suggesting the bombing of a theater in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol may have been staged by Ukrainian nationalists. Hayward's skepticism has already led Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi promise a crackdown on such wrong think. Hayward shared an article on Sunday from the Gray Zone, a left-wing news outlet, citing eyewitnesses in the Ukrainian, Ukrainian city of Mariupol. Article claims that uh, Ukrainian Azov fighters, once described uh, by Western outlets and lawmakers as neo-Nazis, sheltered behind civilians in a theater in Mariupol before blowing up the building as uh, Russian forces entered the Ukrainian city. Azov forces and journalists linked to the extremist unit accused Russia of bombing the building and used the incident to call for Western intervention against Russia. Uh, U.S. President Joe Biden declared uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin a war criminal in response, and American politicians from both parties and, and from Europe re renewed their calls for military aid, including fighter jets for Ukraine. <laughs> However, no video exists uh, showing the theater being bombed and Russia denies attacking the building, stating that it has never been considered as a strike target. Uh, conflicting reports of the weapons supposedly used in civilian casualties or lack thereof only muddy the picture further. <coughs> uh, yet Hayward was condemned by his colleagues for raising the issue in the Times article on Tuesday accusing him of spreading propaganda. Uh, Dr. Alias uh, Alexander something, I'm not even going to attempt that. Uh, a misinformation re researcher at Oxford University said that we must be careful when reading reports critical of the official narrative in Ukraine and uh, that outlets like the Gray Zone are currently engaged in a massive disinformation campaign. We did not provide any evidence that would support such allegations against the media outlet. Uh, um, Hayward has been singled out by the Scottish government too, having shared articles questioning the alleged bombing of a maternity hospital in Mariupol, claiming that Syrian leader Bashar al-Assad did not guess his own citizens, as Western sources insist. The professor was accused in Westminster last week uh, by Tory MP Robert Halfen as being a useful idiot for Putin's atrocities. Uh, uh, Syria deal, uh, uh, Assad gassing his people. That is absolutely absolutely not true. There came out in the media that he did. Everybody was riled up, and then like six months later, uh, UN investigation uh, confirms that there was no evidence that he actually did it. But that was uh, it was not the front page headline. It was uh, you know, like page six, way down below the fold. Uh, but it was there, so they, they they let you know they did report on it. Um, just kind of kind of hit it a little. Um, speaking to Edinburgh Live, Hayward said he is concerned about restrictions of free speech and considers uh, hearing both uh, uh, points of view important in wartime. Quote: In war, miscalculations can have terrible consequences. We know that misin misinformation can sometimes even slip through on our side. As when the UK went to war in Iraq, mistakenly believing it had weapons of mass destruction, he said. As for the people of Ukraine, there is need for peace not to become the epicenter of World War III. 
He added, referring to the widely held belief that the Western powers were that there were Western powers to intervene in that were Western powers uh, to intervene in Ukraine. The consequences would be a third world war. <coughs> so, um, uh, let me let me show you uh, what it looks like to try to uh, find different articles. Uh, or get to different articles on Russia today. Um, like each one of these is a link that I that I click, try to open, you know, just open it in a new tab. And uh, I tried it with my VPN on. I went to several different countries uh, with the VPN on, <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know if it is um, Western governments. I don't know if it is a Russian government that is trying to uh, not let RT be, be seen. Uh, but either way, it is real annoying because it's kind of important to see what the other side of the equation is saying in this, this whole war. Um, if, if nothing else, it kind of gives you at least they uh, you know what they're saying about us and uh, you maybe not get uh, a better view on their tactics, but it, you at least have a better, better view of how they want their people to view us and <coughs> which makes it easier to, to counter that. So uh, censorship is a, is a terrible, terrible thing. And, um, this uh this trying to blot out all of uh anything coming out of russia is uh is a mistake uh it's uh it's a very much a you know it's a nazi type move it's a uh it's a soviet type move it's any any type of authoritarian regime that you can think of state media uh, and while we don't technically have state media here, we have giant corporations acting at the behest of the state. And <clears throat> not not only are we uh, we blocking stuff out, but here we are. We got a professor that's saying like, hey, this is what Russia is saying about this, this incident that, that everybody is really pissed off about. And, and they're calling him a, uh, you know, a Russian puppet, basically. And, and all he's saying is like, hey, look at this. This is what Russia is saying. We should probably take a look at that. And, and maybe, uh, I, I don't know, I, it, at least uh, it, it's a good thing to see what they're saying. But um, anyhow, there was, uh, there was a couple... Oh, fake news about Russian state bodies. I don't remember that one. Uh, oh, yeah. So this is a good one. Uh, also on the on the censorship side, and this is coming from Russia Today. Fake news about Russia state uh, bodies abroad uh, criminalized. So the Russia State Duma, the parliament's lower house, has adopted new legislation which would see those disseminating false, in, uh, quote, disseminating false information, in quote, 
about state institution abroad, uh, jailed for up to 15 years. The move follows similar similar legisla- legislation targeting individuals deemed to be spreading fake news about the actions of the country's military forces. Um, on Monday, uh, commenting on the legislation, Kremlin spokesperson uh, Dmitry Peskov told reporters that, uh, quote, unprecedented conditions require unprecedented solutions. End quote. He explained that current situation can be described as unprecedented in terms of imposing absolute hatred on everything Russian, whether it is Russian missions, Russian citizens, or foreign citizens who are of Russian origin. Everyone now faces just hatred, uh, oppression, and situations, and sometimes, sometimes begin to pose a threat to health and life. Um, on Tuesday, parliamentarians approved the amendments to the criminal code and to the code of administrative defenses, both in the second and the third reading. So, um, yeah, there is, there's the Soviets that we know and love. Um, so while they're, (laughs) they're talking shit on, uh, on Scotland and England for censoring this, uh, or bashing this this professor for uh, retweeting an article or uh, quote tweeting an article. Uh, here they are making the the penalty fifteen years in prison for speaking out or spreading fake news uh, abroad. So <laughs> it's uh, like I said before, just watching all the all the propaganda be pom- pumped out is uh, it's a sight to behold. And, um, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, um, it's a wild deal. Um, there's, uh, there's, oh, th- this one was interesting as well. Um, also from, from RT. And like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not believing, I'm not taking them at face value, by any means, this is uh, this is Russian state media, and uh, remember, the Russians were the Soviets, so they they got that they got that streak in them. They they know they know how to do this propaganda shit pretty well. Um, however, RT is a pretty good source for for a, like a different slant on news, uh, and, and I've used it quite a bit, but. You just know it's it's Russian state media, so you gotta you gotta take it with a big grain of salt. And um penicillin's probably not gonna cover it. Maybe maybe the, the Russian COVID vaccine would will uh take take one of those and a grain of salt. Uh so Ukraine uh accuses Hungary of having designs on its land. Uh Deputy PM alleges that cheap Russian gas and a thirst for territory could be behind Budapest's pro Russian rhetoric. Um, and, and this is another good example of being, uh, truthful, but not being honest. So Ukraine's deputy prime minister, Irina Bereshuk, Bereshuk, has questioned what she has described as Hungary's pro-Russian rhetoric describing that the desire for cheap Russian gas or even a a potential land grab could be behind Budapest's policy over the conflict between Moscow and Kiev. In a lengthy Facebook post, she claimed the the official 
uh, claim that not even all Russian satellites away from former Soviet uh, the Soviet uh, former Soviet Union behave the way Hungary's authorities do. Uh, Hungary does not support sanctions against Russia, refuses to provide Ukraine with weapons, and even does not allow weapons from other countries to pass via their territory. In fact, they say no to everything. A bit more and uh, Budapest official rhetoric will be totally pro-Russian. What is this? Want some cheap Russian gas? Or maybe want our uh, Transcarpathia? That's a uh, uh, area of Ukraine, I think. I'm not sure. Transcarpathia. It sounds like a uh, transgender superhero. We'll get to that soon. Don't you worry. Uh, Vereshchuk wrote before uh, calling on Budapest to join the civilized world and not to repeat the mistakes of World War II when Hungary made a totally wrong choice. Um, Earlier on Tuesday, Hungarian Foreign foreign Minister Peter uh, S-Z-I-J-J-A-R-T-O I'm not going to attempt that. That is... That is way, way too many consonants where there shouldn't be consonant. Uh, anyway, uh, foreign minister, that guy from Hungary, uh, said that his country would not support anti-Russian sanctions, which would cause harm to its own interest, including penalties targeting Russian gas and oil. He also reiterated that Hungary was against any proposals involving sending NATO soldiers to Ukraine or uh, creating a, new f- a no-fly zone over the country, explaining that such actions would raise the risk of a large-scale war. Um, though the Hungarian government has condemned Moscow's attack on Ukraine, reported some sanctions, it has consistently defended uh, its wish-, wish to stay out of the conflict and has refused to join other countries in sending weapons to Ukraine. <laughs> sounds like a pretty reasonable situation from a country who is very close to that conflict and uh, doesn't want to get fucked up. So, um, once again, take that with a grain of salt, Russian state media, but um, I'm going to do the Patreon segment. Um, there, There was a really good uh, podcast today uh, Joe Rogan with uh, Mike Baker who's a former CIA guy but not not just like an analyst like he was a, he was a covert ops uh, type of guy and uh, he's uh, <clears throat> his world view is a little more towards uh, towards what Aaron uh, views kind of that neoconservative war hawk type mentality he's not um, but he's also very uh, rational realist and uh, just a good good interview. I, every time he's on on Bill Rogan, I <laughs> I tune in immediately because he's, he's a very informed guy. And uh, anyhow, I'd, uh, I'm gonna kind of do a recap of that uh, episode that he that he had of Rogan uh, today. I think it was today, yesterday, maybe. I, I listened to it today, so that'll that'll be the Patreon episode here in a few minutes. But um. Yeah, th- this whole Ukraine deal is uh it's messy and it's getting getting to be ugly. So, uh tune in for that. Uh and if you're not subscribed, patreon.com slash burning daylight and uh 
who get to listen. Um, moving on though, uh, here stateside, uh, we've got we've got plenty going on, and um, this is from New York City. Uh, NYPD sued over DNA database that contains genetic profiles of innocent New Yorkers. Uh, the New York PD or NYPD's DNA de- database is comprised of an ever-growing number of genetic profiles of thousands of innocent New Yorkers, including children, the lawsuit alleges. Uh, the Legal Aid Society, in a suit filed Monday in Manhattan Federal Court, is asking a judge to declare unconstitutional the practice of secretly taking, analyzing, and maintaining people's DNA in its suspect index. Public Defenders Groups uh, seeks an order. The Who's editing these? these articles the public defenders group seeks an order the nypd expunge the dna files and records seeks an order that the nypd i mean just anyhow um there are 31,826 dna profiles that was a joe biden number count there 31,826 DNA profiles in the database at last count, according to the suit. Uh, The database, which is maintained by the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner, has been the subject of much debate over the past few years. NYPD said it operates within the bounds of the law and that the database is an important tool used to obtain justice for each uh, crime victim. Uh, Critics have said the policy that allows police to connect uh, collect DNA without consent, such as offering the sus- a suspect a soda and then keeping the can for forensic an- analysis, even if the perf- person is not charged with a crime, is a violation of privacy rights. So, um, and they've noted that while a conviction is required before someone's DNA can be entered in a state-run database, those built by local authorities operate outside those requirements. So, long story short, um, if, uh, say, a little girl uh, witnesses crime while she's waiting at the bus stop or something, and they bring her in for questioning, uh, and (laughs) they offer a juice box or something, and for whatever reason, they they decide to go ahead, maybe we'll... uh, We'll see if, you know, and it could be for for completely uh, honest reasons. Say like, hey, maybe this little girl is tied to a crime or something. And um, we get we got her DNA here so we can see if it matches anything at the crime scene. And that'll tie up a loose end. You know, there, there's there's scenarios. That was, that was something that's right off the top of my head. Uh, either way, rather than getting a warrant for that, since they uh, they didn't ask for her, her DNA, they just offered her a juice box, which she accepted because she's a little girl. And then they kept it. And then now they have their DNA and they got it, you know, completely innocently. Um, and then they can keep that in the file for, for later on. Uh, to what end? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. But um, that is... Currently, as it stands, uh, completely legal in the state of New York, and uh, 
31,826 times. Uh, at least that has been done. Um, so, yes. Back the blue, ladies and gentlemen. Back the blue. Uh, you know, the, the Fourth Amendment was... Uh, was it was put put in the Bill of Rights for for a reason. For a reason. Um, next up, Joe Biden is headed to Europe. Uh, Biden heads to Europe in an effort to bolster the Western alliance. Uh, what he plans to do, I'm not real for sure. President Joe Biden will confront the growing Ukrainian refugee crisis in the most direct way yet. He visits Poland this week where he will pledge more American aid to alleviate human suffering, discuss the emergency with Polish leaders, and potentially meet Ukrainians who have fled their homeland. Uh, visit is a part of a, part of a trip to Brussels and Warsaw, where Biden aims to reiterate American global leadership, and at a time when the Russian invasion of Ukraine threatens to settle into an indefinite slog. It's been three weeks, people. We, I know we live in a, in a real, like, fast, 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 fast society. Um, war very rarely is, is over quick. We, we got lucky, uh, the first time we went to war with Iraq. Um, typically it doesn't, not over quick. Um, to bolster the NATO alliance and reassure Ukraine that the U.S. commitment is ongoing. Um, I, it's a good thing that he's not going to Ukraine. That would be a, that would be awful. Um, if, uh, if he got killed over there, that, ooh, man, that'd be a bad deal. Bad deal. Uh, and especially as old as he is, he could just die and they say that the Russians did it. Um, like, like it's, they could say he, he was poisoned by, uh, by Putin and that would be believable enough, I think. Uh, but man, that, that would turn out bad. So bad. Uh, I don't, I don't know what he's planning on doing there. Um, this, this is a neat one too. Um, Project Veritas says the Fed secretly accessed its emails. It's another kind of, uh, switcheroo loophole type deal like uh, like the New York City uh, DNA database. This particular story, um, I like how they lead this off. A group that has singled out journalists and Democrats. Um, they they could have said investigative reporting, um, a reporter, or or whatever. It's a it's a it's a legit news outlet. Are they biased? Yes. Um, but anyhow, that, like, uh, this, this article is equally biased by leading off that with, with that, a group that has singled out journalists and Democrats instead of saying an, an investigative reporting group. Um, uh, anyway, an undercover operations contends that prosecutors misled a federal court and saw unwarranted gag orders during a federal investigation of the group's ties to the alleged theft of a diary belonging to President Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley. <clears throat> now, I have not done much digging into this uh, 
Ashley Biden diary. I've heard a little bit about it, but not enough to speak uh, intelligently. So I just I, I'm not going to, to comment on it because I, I just don't know enough about it. Uh, but in November, the FBI conducted pre-dawn raids at the home of Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe and the homes of two other individuals who worked with that group. And by pre-dawn raid, um, yeah, it was a full FBI SWAT team uh, at like four o'clock in the morning uh, for uh, for this guy, a kind of a nerdy uh, journalist. Um, raids. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so agents acted with warrants that allows them to seize phones and computers to search for evidence of trafficking in interstate property. Uh, the raids generated controversy in some circles because Project Veritas identifies itself as a news organization, and the use of search warrants against journalists and news outlets is extremely rare to due to Justice Department policies and uh, federal law passed in 1980, limit such investigative steps. They really uh, went out of their way to not call uh, James O'Keefe a journalist. Uh, <laughs> identifies itself as a news organization. Uh, I, I don't know. You, you can call them a, uh, like a, a poor a poor source of news, but they're, I mean, they literally are a news organization. Doesn't mean they're a good one, but they are a news organization. Um, after the raids, U.S. District Court Judge uh, Annalisa Torres agreed to a request by the group to put in place a special master to review the information on the seized devices to ensure that prosecutors did not get access to emails, text messages, or other records that might be subject to attorney-client privilege or other legal protections. So, basically what she did was appoint somebody <coughs> to, to oversee this to make sure that they were searching within the scope of the warrant that, that was issued. Um... However, in a letter Tuesday to a federal judge overseeing the aspects of the probe, Project Veritas attorneys said they recently learned that for nearly a year before last November's raids, prosecutors used gag orders to keep quiet other steps taken in the diary probe, including grand jury subpoenas and court-ordered seizures of all emails O'Keefe and several colleagues kept in particular accounts over a three-month span in 2020. Prosecutors obtained warrants to seize all emails from an account belonging to one unnamed uh, person. The group's lawyers called a Project Veritas journalist during a period spanning more than a year from 2020 to 2021. <coughs> uh, da, da, da. In, in some or all of the cases, prosecutors obtained non-disclosure orders, often called gag orders, uh, prohibiting disclosure of the fact of the searches... Uh, to the users of the account. The letter to Torres complains that even as lawyers for Project Veritas and prosecutors were laying out their respective views about a special master to address the information seized in the November FBI raids, prosecutors had similar and perhaps identical information from the group from earlier warrants that did not or did not reveal that, reveal that fact and continued to renew the gag orders related to those searches. Uh, 
So they basically circumvented it by going going around it earlier. They <clears throat> so even though the judge put the this gag order on or implemented this uh this what they call the master. Uh I don't know. It's apparently there's some fuckery and uh Yeah, and this this was all done by the the Biden DOJ. So, um, more more attacks on uh, on the freedom of the the press and uh, and free speech in general. So, yeah, that's neat. Uh, I'm not a like a giant fan of Project Veritas, but that that's pretty ridiculous. Um, who we got? Oh, this is this is fun. This is fun. Um, Disney staffers to take the streets and social media and walk out over companies' reactions to uh, the don't say gay bill. Hulu, Disney Plus, FX, ESPN Plus, uh, and more offer social media support. Uh, the planned full-day walkout at Disney today over the company's fumbled response to Florida's discriminatory don't say gay bill has seen an outpouring of support from L- LGBTQ plus community from some leading division. House of Mouse's empire. And according to sources on the Burbank lot earlier this morning, there weren't any protesters gathering outside the Alameda Avenue gate yet. Is some cameraman and other media. This turned into a calculated walkout at 10 a.m. Instead of protesting in front of the studio gate on Alameda Avenue, under 100 staffers headed over to the Betty Davis picnic area nearby. By 11 a.m., it was crickets in front of the Burbank gate with studio security clueless that a protest ever occurred. The road closures on nearby South Keystone pertain not to a protest, but an actual location production shoot going on. Um, got a pretty good video. When contacted by email, a number of Disney staffers uh, had I am out today in solidarity with my blah, 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 <laughs> LGBTQ IA plus colleagues as their out of office message. Some also took to social media themselves. And um, yeah, uh, the Florida don't say gay bill um what was not what was dubbed the don't say gay bill by um opponents of it um basically what it does is uh ban the discussion of sexuality and um gender fluidity or whatever uh all all the all like the trans stuff but like not really trans cuz you're not most of them are not actually doing the transition or just they want to be part of it and cool thing and don't I mean you don't really want to you know just 
give yourself the old snip snip. But but you want to get some clout, so you just you just say that 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 you're a woman today. Um. Anyhow, um, Florida decided that uh, at least wait till fourth grade. Like, give us till fourth grade before you you, you go ahead with this stuff. And, and of course, the these Disney employees say no. Fourth grade by fourth grade, if we don't teach them that there is seven million genders and uh, nine different ways that you can put a penis in a in a butthole, and, and it's not gay per se. It's um, it's fluid. Um, uh, there, just let that one hang there. It's fluid. Um. And then, um, but by if they don't if they don't learn that stuff by fourth grade, they're they're lost. They'll they'll always go about their lives thinking that biological males cannot be, you know, childbearing women, and, and we can't have that. So we got to start them early, and uh, that that that's what that lockout was over. Or walkout protest uh, seemed lively. Seemed like a lot of people. Um, but yeah, lot lot of lot of good folks out there. Uh, now we've got New World Order. Got a video here, and I, I posted the a video of this on on my Instagram and TikTok because. Pay attention to this sign language. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of them, as one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And uh, since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people and now is the time oh. when things are shifting. Oh, you're coming at me. There's going to be a new world order out there. You man don't got, got a job. Leader. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then if you if you missed that little part while I was... Uh, I was interpreting the sign language interpreter. You know, we are at an inflection point, um, I believe, in the world. There's going be a new world order out there. There's going to be a new world order out there. And we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world and do One it. One more time. There's going to be a new world order out there. And we've got to lead it. There's going to be a new world order out there. And we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world and do it. So anyway. Um, well... What you did not hear there was Joe Biden advocating for a new world order. I don't know what you think you heard. That was definitely not Joe Biden um, advocating for a new world order. Uh, This was trending on Twitter, new world order was. And and sometimes uh, when when just a phrase like that is trending... uh, Twitter will offer a little, um, a little explanation as to why that's trending or to what it means. And um, here we go. Uh, New World Order. 
was trending in politics. Unfounded claims about the New World Order uh, conspiracy theory are discussed after Joe Biden used the phrase uh, as he spoke about the United, the United States' response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. During an address to the Business Roundtable CEO quarterly meeting. Um, why he was speaking there, I wonder. Couldn't possibly have anything to do with campaign fundraising. Um, but although you heard him say that, uh, that is an unfounded, vicious rumor, something, something along those lines. Um, I don't know about that one. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <sighs> this is, uh, okay. So this is from not the B, which is like the sister site to the Babylon B where the headlines are, as you can see, equally ridiculous, but rather than, uh, as opposed to the Babylon Bee, they're not satire. They're truthful. Uh, they're real headlines. So based Ron DeSantis uh, slams NCAA for allowing Leah Thomas to compete as a woman. Officially recognizes Sarasota's Emma Wyant as a, Wyant as a winner. Uh, in a tweet, he said, by allowing men to compete in women's sports, the NCAA is destroying opportunities for women, making a mockery of its championships, and perpetuating a fraud. Florida, we reject these lies and recognize Sarasota's Emma Wyant as the best overall women swimmer in the uh, 500-yard freestyle. Um, a little context on this. Uh, um, see if I can, I can find find the that one, but it's uh. Ay, ay, ay. Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas is, uh, is this brave young woman's name. Uh, she did it for mankind, folks. And, and mankind. Uh, Leah Thomas, transgender swimmer from University of Pennsylvania, uh, crushed, crushed the competition in in the NCAA 500-yard freestyle. Uh, Leah Thomas and her enormous testicles cemented the fact that men are genetically superior to women in every conceivable way. And every now and then, you get your little perks where you think you guys are better at us than, than at something than we are. We let you have it for a little while. But after... After so long, you get uppity, and we gotta just smash that back down, and we gotta reassert control. And that is what Leah Thomas did with her giant, enormous cock and balls, uh, just gliding to an electric victory over the evil women in the 500 yard freestyle. Uh, congratulations to. Miss Leah Thomas and her gigantic cock and balls. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's a hard won victory. Um, and, and you know, people, some people don't really like to, uh, they, they don't like to admit that, uh, 
that th- these things are necessary, but when when a woman starts to get too uh too confident and uh that can be dangerous and so you just gotta nip it in the bud so uh you, you want your own sports okay but just know that at any given time we'll put on a wig and we will rock your world so congratulations leah thomas woman of the year in my book um that's all i got for the the main the main uh episode uh if you're uh if you're a subscriber uh we'll we'll come back around we'll discuss the mike baker joe joe rogan podcast and uh and if you're not you should go patreon.com slash burning daylight and uh and sign up there and you'll get to listen to my thoughts and maybe a few more dick jokes who knows who knows uh anyway Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you go check out the the website. We got a few t-shirts up there. We'll have hats up soon. Um, burning-daylight.com. Check out the Uncommon Sense blog. And uh, yeah, Den Hill's putting out really good stuff over there. Uh, McKenzie will have some some more stuff over there. Make sure you listen to Cattle, Cattle News Central every Monday through Thursday right here on Burning Daylight podcast. So anyway... Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you guys are awesome. And uh, have a good week. And move your ass. We'll burn in daylight. Good guys and bad well, guys. Back. Uh, all you yeah, uh, fine folks who uh, hey, listen to this. I, I, I really appreciate you, you all. I, uh, Masters and I know I don't do, uh, do enough uh, They're all the same make this shit worthwhile, but I appreciate you guys sticking around. This uh, this podcast that I was talking about is uh, with uh, Mike Baker and uh, and uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, was, let me see if I can get back to about a minute or an hour fifty four. But um, so this this Mike Baker's uh.
as the United States can do a better job of trying to stay out of other people's wars. Uh, and uh, this this episode, he uh, he did a fantastic job. Uh, not not just uh, not not just laying out like what what the what this war is over, where how it started, uh, but laying out exactly who who he views uh, Vladimir Putin as, like who who Putin really is, and and like kind of his mindset. Uh, very well read guy. Um, anyway, let's let's take a listen for a minute. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I think my computer's too too slow. Um yeah, maybe that, that I don't think that's gonna work. Um well, dang it. Anyhow, um, it, it was a very, very, uh, very, very uh, worthwhile listen. It's uh, close to three hours long, I think. And uh, it's very, very informative. Like I said, this guy uh, has been around quite a bit and uh, he knows his shit. Uh, but he's... Uh, but like I said, I, I there's a lot of a lot of his his points of view I I don't uh, particularly agree with, uh, but I I respect his opinion just because he's he's uh he's been around a little bit he's seen some shit, and and essentially what he was saying is that uh, while I, and and all there there's some stuff that I, I don't think he 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 addressed a whole lot but. He kind of laid out how how this whole Ukraine deal happened, how uh, Vladimir Putin has kind of a a track record of of just expanding, and he's he's been on record saying like the the collapse of the Soviet Union was the biggest uh, like the biggest travesty of the twentieth century. <clears throat> he's an old school kind of uh, glory to Russia type of type of guy. Um, he has, uh, I forgot to, uh, to pull up that article, but <clears throat> like the, the head of the Russian, uh, Orthodox church, uh, came out in basically in favor of the, the Ukraine invasion, um, which you're not allowed to, uh, to say in Russia either. So that, that's neat. You know, um, you, you can call it a, um, you can call it a special military operation, but you cannot call it a war or an invasion. But whatever you're allowed to call it, uh, the, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church is all in favor. Um, <clears throat> and while I, I still don't think we should get very much more involved, um, yeah, this this thing is starting to get really ugly. Um and when war is hell, like <clears throat> it it doesn't matter how hard you try and how smart your your bombs are and like how precise and pinpoint accuracy and all that. Does not matter there's going to be civilian casualties and <clears throat> it's it's just bound to happen. 
But basically how he laid this out is um how how there's been been several uh several times where the Ukrainian people have overthrown their government. Uh and he 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 really left out the part where the the CIA and uh, a bunch of US government backed uh non-governmental organizations what they they call NGOs um maybe they didn't they didn't start this uh these uprisings but they sure as hell uh played into it and <clears throat> like we had a big presence on the ground there in U- Ukraine um and then but like one of the things he he pointed out is uh part of what what made has made this thing such a shit show is how badly Putin has miscalculated and um and you know as as I said before he he's kind of on the the war hawk side of things so he uh you know he he's uh he's one to kind of kind of play up uh, Putin as <clears throat> very much so a bad guy and he is but I think he uh, I think maybe maybe not overplays it but I don't know it's uh like I said his uh, his worldview is not not something I, I completely agree with but I, I respect his word and um but basically what he was he thought or what he's saying is that Putin thought. Uh, the Ukrainian people were going to go ahead and support him, and uh, and there, it was going to be like a liberating force. It was very much like uh, Iraq, where they're going to greet us with open arms, you know. And uh, <coughs> well, it just it wasn't wasn't the case, you know. The the Ukrainians actually are putting up a hell of a resistance, and uh, there's been a ton of of uh, Russian casualties. So, put it in context, I think we've lost um, somewhere around we lost around four thousand uh, U.S. troops in Afghanistan over the course of twenty years, and um, depending on which statistics you're reading. Um, the Russians saying they they've lost about a thousand, where uh, the Ukrainians are saying they lost about fifteen thousand. And um, according to Mike, uh, what Mike Baker was saying is, I think he, he was saying the UN <coughs> estimates are around seven thousand. Uh, but it's been three weeks, I think, about three weeks since they invaded, and um, and they've already lost uh, somewhere between. 7,000 and 15,000 or I guess 1,000 and 15,000. Either way, a lot, a lot of people lost in, in a short amount of time. Most of them uh, being just drafted guys, conscripts that uh, thought they were on a, a long-term training mission or a peacekeeping mission, not going to war. And uh, and so there's been several several interviews with, uh, with captured uh, Russian troops that are just like, hey, we didn't know what the hell was going on here. This is this is ridiculous, and uh, but they, he's also lost several generals. Like uh, I think he lost like one of his uh, like head honcho Chechen guys, which the Chechens are known to be some pretty fierce fighters, and uh, and like I, I guess kind of their their head uh, 
head commando uh, of the Chechen Muslim troops. Uh, he he was killed, and then they're like one of their their naval leaders or something. They they've had some they've had a couple of different generals killed as well as a bunch of conscripts. Um, but this this whole narrative that um, somehow Ukraine is going to come out on top of this is uh, it's just not true. And if we look at this thing from a, a realistic point of view, I had this conversation uh, the other day uh, <coughs> about this, and a comment was made that like if we if we don't if we don't stand up to Putin now, we'll be we'll be flying a different flag, and I said, ah, that that's not going to happen. Um, I, I I don't think nuclear war is going to happen, but I, I don't think we should try to. Uh, I don't think we should tiptoe towards that line either. Um, but uh, let's let's get it out of the way. Like the Russia is not going to invade us. Uh, we we are surrounded by ocean on uh, three sides. You know, we we've got the Gulf of Mexico and we got the Atlantic and the Pacific. On our northern border, we've got uh, the Canadians. Who? Um, yeah, I'm not worried. We're 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 pretty good friends with the the Canadians for the most part. Um, not real worried about that. And and they're also uh, their military compared to ours. I mean, that's that's I'm not worried about that. And then on the southern border, we got a bunch of cartels that stay in power because they sell drugs to us. So like we they need us to buy their product. Um, so as much as we don't like each other. Uh, Mexico's not invading us, or the cartels ain't. Um, not not in a, a full fledged warfare. They, uh, I mean, they invade us every day with uh, drugs and uh, human trafficking and all all that, all sorts of good shit there. But as far as like uh, an armed invasion, uh, that that's not going to happen. Uh, uh, we're we're way too well armed and way way too well defended naturally. Like I said we're ocean on three sides, and um. Yeah, it that 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 part's not not going to happen. But we're also not going to war in Ukraine because uh, <laughs> we if we put we put troops on the ground in Ukraine. If we institute a no fly zone, um, what what the no fly zone means is that like yeah, you're you're not flying over Ukrainian airspace. And uh, in order for that to work, uh, you have to shoot down anything that is flying over Ukrainian airspace, including Russian fighter jets, Russian bombers, uh, Russian drones, any of that, uh, which would be a direct escalation of conflict <laughs> with Russia. That would put us at war with Russia. And that that war will probably only escalate from there. Uh with the capability of uh, escalating into um, species ending thermonuclear war. Uh, so that's, that's going to be off the table. Uh, you know, there's been a, a couple NATO countries calling for it. Um, kind of the Baltic States like Lithuania and uh, Latvia. And there's been a lot of politicians, a lot of pundits calling for it, but uh, the Biden administration has made it pretty abundantly clear that not only is a no-fly zone <coughs> off the table, which it should be, uh, but also transferring uh, MiG fighter jets from Poland 
uh, to Ukraine through us. Why, why Poland uh, wouldn't do it? I don't. Well, I know why because it would it would be seen as an escalation of the conflict between uh, when Poland and Russia, and they don't want that. So they they want to they want to support Ukraine, but not not directly. Um, but that would also mean that um, that we would be um, arming. Ukrainians against the Russian that would that could be seen as a provocation and also Russia said that they're going to start targeting any uh you know any convoys that are that are bringing new new armaments in the Ukraine from the west so <clears throat> how, how do we get the the those fighter jets over there without uh you know, entering a hot conflict with Russia, that, that, uh, that's a tough one. And, and also he was talking about how the MiG fighter jets are probably not going to be even effective against what the Russians have now. The Russia, I mean, the MiG-29 is what uh, Poland is wanting to, to give to Ukraine. And the MiG-29 is a Russian-made jet, but it's an old Russian-made jet. And they've got better stuff uh, since then. And they've got, uh, you know, just the the MiG-29 is uh, outdated and, and outclassed at this point. It's a, it's a very old uh, weapons platform, and it just, it's outdated. So even if we did somehow get those Polish, uh, Polish fighter jets over to Ukraine, uh, without getting bombed and without... You know, sparking off uh, this this war with uh, between the U.S. and Russia, um, good chance that all those fighter jets are going to get shot down almost immediately. So we can't risk the uh, the chance of thermonuclear war over a bunch of planes that probably not going to be all that effective, anyways. So so that's off the table. Uh, even though you know, I, I was gonna cover that uh today too but Zelensky president Zelensky from Ukraine addressed uh <coughs> the US Congress the other day asking for a no fly zone and asking for 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 more weapons um there was a video of maybe I can pull that up on RT um but they they were showing a bunch of captured uh weapons from uh they they'd uh they'd captured off of uh the ukrainian troops the uh, the russian troops that had found them and uh and it was um javelin anti-tank missiles and uh and the german version the the panzerfaust uh anti-tank missiles and uh those have been incredibly effective uh russia being russia uh, okay. uh, where was it? It was a, uh, it was a pretty, pretty cool little deal. But uh, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. Um, must have closed that tab. But um, anyhow, it was uh. The Ru- Russia is still fighting like a, a World War II style uh, 
war. Like they're they're coming in with tanks and and heavy heavy artillery, and the Ukrainians are just picking them off with these with these javelin missiles and and the, the Panzerfaust or whatever. All these all these weapons that are that are coming in from from NATO countries, uh, and they are just fucking up Russia's shit with uh, with uh, at least with their artillery and stuff. But on the other hand, um, Russians are still taking ground. And one of the things that was weird, so uh, there for a while, and I like I had my VPN on, and I was trying a diff- couple different countries with VPN, but uh, I'd go to RT and I'd search uh, that Mariupol, and, and then it would like it just wouldn't let me. Nothing would show up, and then eventually I got got there. But one of the like that's that's been where kind of the the uh, the worst of of this this fighting has been happening is there at Mariupol and it's it's a pretty strategic uh, city for the Russians because it creates a land bridge to uh, to Crimea. So if they they if they take Mariupol, then they have a you know pretty much a, a straight shot from Russia, you know mainland Russia uh, over to uh, cr- the Crimean Peninsula and uh, and that just like one step closer to, to taking the Donbass region and that might be a little dry for some people but I like military strategy it's uh, always kind of fascinated me but <clears throat> um, all, all of that being said so that that was kind of one of the things that, uh, that Mike Baker brought up is is this uh another situation where uh Putin really miscalculated like they they thought they could roll in kind of do a blitzkrieg type deal and uh or at least that's how it's being portrayed uh from the west and we're we're at a point where Putin is committed um he he grossly overestimated how how much support he'd have from the Ukrainian people uh by by invading and they he grossly underestimated the you know the military response from Ukraine <clears throat> um i i think he was uh he wasn't ever real concerned about uh the sanctions and we've from what I can tell, like I don't know how much further we can sanction them. We uh, like we're we shut off uh, the oil. We uh, like we we uh, put a, a freeze on their central bank funds. Uh, like all we moved uh, removed them from the the SWIFT payment system, which is kind of like the worldwide uh, banking payment system, and tried to uh drive a wedge between them and China as much as we could <clears throat> and and I'm just not I don't know what else we can do uh as far as sanctions and and as far as those go um they it's really hitting the Russian people very hard and uh and so it's it's not just uh it's not just hard on the Ukrainian people obviously the Ukrainians are, are getting by far the worst of it because they're seeing the actual, you know, bloody conflict, but the Russian people are, are hurting pretty bad too. Just from the economic sanctions that have been, have been put on, on Russia. 
and so Putin's already kind of committed and um when 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 these talks of a ceasefire come up is what what he's explaining is uh, there's certain concessions that Putin is not going to uh not going to make like he's not going to give back Crimea um even though the west would would you know that that's going to be a, a one of their big demands uh that that's just not going to happen he he took it back then <clears throat> he's been uh he's been fighting to have it recognized as as russian territory and uh, and he's just not going to give it up and and it's probably the same goes for the like the donbass region which is those two now what they what he considers uh independent republics the donetsk and uh luhansk uh regions it's it's another deal where it doesn't seem like he's going to give them up and let's face it the nato not in a in a position to stop him like we're we're just not we're outside of those few baltic states that are like hey we're going to need some help here so we don't get overrun um outside of them the rest of nato is like mm, you're kind of on your own with this one ukraine like we're 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 still sending a ton of weapons and stuff but we're not going to war with russia like that that's kind of what it feels like and um that really decreases the the leverage that that ukraine has um when they go to the negotiating table, unless they just, you know, like, you know, they're, they're already calling it a pretty heroic, uh, you know, resistance. And, and it has been, uh, you know, what they've been able to, to do to, to hold back, uh, the, the Russians so far has been incredible, but well, let's face it. Like Russia still got like, 800,000 troops if they really need to they can send them in and they've got far better uh weaponry than what Ukraine has like we're we're sending them some pretty cool shit but uh Russia just launched a hypersonic missile uh into Ukraine and uh so that that's like a step above our intercontinental ballistic missiles which uh up until then were like cream of the crop, but now compared to what that, that can do, that's, that's a whole different deal. And that's kind of a, a big warning shot, uh, from Putin is like, Hey, don't, don't fuck with us. And, uh, and I think we're at the point where like, as much as nobody wants to see it, like Russia's going to win that conflict. Maybe they won't take all of Ukraine and you're going to try to stop them from, from taking all of Ukraine. But if they want to probably can, it's just how long, uh, and, and how much, how much time and money are they willing to, uh, to put forth to do so. And as long as Germany and a lot of these other European countries are still buying oil and gas from from Russia, Russia can afford to do that. And especially with the way way oil prices are right now, he he uh, Mike Baker pointed out that one of the big reasons you didn't see 
Putin invade Ukraine while Trump was president is because price of oil was pretty low when Trump was president. Gas prices were low, so the profits from uh, that Russia was getting uh, off of, off of Europe buying their gas weren't near as high, so <clears throat> maybe it wasn't you know, maybe it wasn't uh, as uh, st- strategically sound to do so then. Now, when they're when we're getting you know, over a hundred dollars a barrel for oil. Russia's profits go way up and, um, and now they can, they can kind of finance this. And the more, the more shit that they, they capture there in Ukraine, the more they can add to their, their war chest. And, uh, (laughs) as long as the Russian people go along with it, um, yeah, Ukraine is not going to win that. Um, However, at the negotiating table, as he pointed out, NATO is not going to uh, just make all these concessions without without something from from Russia as well. So, what that looks like, I don't know. Um, but the best thing we can do is uh, try to to get some sort of peace deal, even if that means that. You know, Ukraine has to give up that that those eastern regions because the longer this thing plays out, the worse it is on the Ukrainian people. Because uh, at the end of the day, they're not going to win this thing militarily. Um, I mean, short of a miracle, but I just don't see it. Like Russia's got way too much stuff, and it, it's just something we're not willing to go to to the brink of nuclear war over. So. <laughs> they're going to have to be willing to give up some shit and and like Crimea being being the one uh one of the big things uh and, and as well as Ukraine never becoming part of NATO that that's I mean uh, that's that's something that that Putin's made clear like that that that's part of the deal like that without that in the in the peace agreement there is no peace agreement so <clears throat> I don't. We're we're kind of at a rock and a hard place, and uh, this this Mike Baker did a really good job of uh, of breaking it down, not only uh, from a realistic uh, strategic standpoint, but also kind of where Putin's might be coming from, like from his point of view. And he 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 went into detail about how this guy, although he is uh, he's a very smart individual, he really doesn't know western society that well because he he hasn't he like he served his entire time in the kgb in russia he was never stationed uh in in the u.s or england or anything like that (laughs) so he doesn't have a real good grasp on western culture and uh and and that that's something you got to take into account because uh yeah if you're if you guys aren't speaking the same language it's going to be a real hard that come to to any sort of a deal. <sighs> I don't know. It was. I, I would re- highly recommend everybody go go listen to this episode. It was, uh, it was very informative. Uh, it uh, brought a lot of lot of aspects of this this particular conflict into a. Uh, well, you see it from a different light, I guess, and uh, and a lot of lot of information that you you won't get anywhere else. So. 
go check it out. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I learned a lot and I think you guys will too. Um, hope you enjoyed this and, uh, yeah, it's getting late, so I'm going to go to bed, but thanks everybody for tuning in and, uh, move your ass burning daylight. <laughs>